0: To me, questions are like these beautiful invitations to greater joy.
1: If you're standing on a threshold, if you feel a yearning to tap into your greatest potential but you're caught in that fuzzy in-between space of the now and not yet, don't despair. You're being invited to pivot with greater purpose. You're on the thrilling edge of becoming. You are being called to unleash your soul song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I believe we're all born with a gift that's uniquely ours, our very own soul song. And I discovered on my own journey that when we unleash it into the world, man, does it make life sing. You might express it through writing, science, cooking, nursing, teaching, or some other endeavor. The song is different for each of us, and its expression can change throughout your life. But it can only sing when you're in tune with your truest self. I know you're trying to get things in focus, that you're looking for encouragement and practical tools to illuminate your own personal journey, and that's what you're going to get here. I'm excited to travel this road with you. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Unleash Your Soul Song. I'm your host, Becky Fleischer. When this episode hits, it's going to be Monday, Columbus Day, so it's a three-day weekend for a lot of people. Uh, oh, I don't know about you, but it was time for a little breather. Getting back in the swing of things for back to school, here in the Northeast, we've been back since late August. My daughter went back late August, and my son went back in September. And let me tell you, I am so grateful to these schools. Oh, my gosh. To the administration, to the teachers, to all of them for working so hard to get these schools back open for our kids. It has not been easy for them. I know coming up with the processes and the safety measures and all the things to keep everybody in school and productive. You know, my hats go off to all of them. I know that it means a lot to them to be back because I know how much they care about their students and they realize how important it is for them to be together again. You know, some of the schools around here are going hybrid where the kids go in some days, not other days. My kids are in full time, thankfully. Uh, We did have to take a week off. My son had to take a week off to do some virtual school because someone in his class tested positive for COVID. So out of an abundance of caution, you know, we kept him home. That The school asked us to keep him home and get him tested, which we did, and thankfully, he's negative. But uh, who could have anticipated a school year starting this way? It's really something, and it gives me a lot to be grateful for, that my kids can be back in school and grateful that when they're not in school that they can do school online, and that they're old enough to do that. My kids are both in high school, so they're old enough to do that. I know this is difficult. This is a really difficult time for so many people who that's just not a good option for. It's either not a good option for their student or it's not a good option for them. It's just hard times right now. And um, you know, I just wanted to recognize that and to say, this three-day weekend's coming at a good time. We all probably need a little breather. So I hope that you're doing something this weekend that brings you some joy, that gets you outside into nature. My conversation today was with Jenny Lee. She's like a breath of fresh air that we all need right now. And one of the things we talk about in the show is the importance of nature and just getting out into nature and breathing the air, how that alone can just be so grounding and rooting. So my hope for you is that on this three-day weekend, if you're fortunate enough to be off for the three-day weekend, that you're able to get outside, get some air, catch some sun, find some gratitude for some things that are going right in your life right now, and to really continue to fortify yourself for whatever continues to come forward in this crazy, crazy world in which we are living. I just wrapped up the best conversation with Jenny Lee. She is the award-winning author of three books, True Yoga Practicing with the Yoga Sutras for Happiness and Spiritual Fulfillment, Breathing Love, Meditation and Action, and her most recently released book, Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution. Jenny and I talked all about this book today. It is so good. It is so insightful. In Spark Change, Jenny shows us how to identify our most important personal questions and explore how they might redefine the trajectory of our lives. The book presents 108 inspiring prompts designed to deepen our awareness of our innermost needs and initiate powerful shifts in your life. Whether you're examining the attitudes that hold you back or investigating where you truly want to go in life, these guided inquiries are meant to cultivate gratitude for your gifts, peace with the present moment, and resilience in the face of life's challenges. I don't know about you, but I could use a little bit of all of that right now. In addition to being an award-winning author, she's a certified yoga therapist and spiritual coach who has counseled private clients worldwide for over 20 years. From her studies in yoga philosophy and spiritual psychology, Jenny has a large toolbox of practices that promote optimal well-being and purposeful living. And she shares them all with us. She shares so much in this interview, And then at the end, she talks about some freebies, like lots and lots of freebies that she has on her website. And the way that she continues to just show up and serve people is so inspiring. And get this, when she's not writing or coaching, she's a surfer, you guys. She loves to surf with her husband near their home in Hawaii, where she was when we recorded this interview. She is a really beautiful, gracious, wonderful soul. I am so excited that she agreed to come on the show. And I am even more excited for you to hear our conversation. So here it is. Jenny Lee, I am so happy to have you on the show. And before we even start, I have to say a big congratulations to you because I read last night that Spark Change, your book that we're going to talk about today, has been, it's only been out for what, like a month? Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Becky. And uh, yeah,
1: it's only been out for about a month. For a month, but yet it's already getting recognized. I saw last night that it's being recognized by Aspire magazine. They just listed it as one of the top 10 inspiring books this month. That's incredible. Congratulations. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it's, it's being really well received and I'm just so happy about that.
1: Oh, you should be. It's a really fantastic book. And I've already told our listeners a little bit about it. And oh boy, I'm going to guess that when you wrote it, you never could have anticipated that you'd be releasing it during a pandemic that has forced so many people to question so many things. So talk a little bit about synchronicities here. What has that been like for you?
0: You know, it's so amazing, really. No one could have known that this would be our reality right now. And books take a very long time, you know, to come into the world through traditional publishing. And so this book has been about two and a half years in process. So from the time that it got contracted and throughout all the edits and, you know, versions that we did, I had no, absolutely no idea. And initially it was scheduled to release in the spring. And I'm so glad that it actually released in the fall because it was very difficult for authors who were releasing in the spring. Um, initially, I had was frustrated by the fact that its release date had gotten pushed off, and it had nothing to do with the pandemic, the The pushback. It was just that the publisher decided to put it into the September lineup. And um, of course, I was anxious to have it out in the world, but then when everything happened, you know, it was so challenging for authors in the spring that actually, divine timing being what it was, was a blessing for this, and I think it really offers people who are going through so many changes that are being forced upon them in very challenging ways right now, um, some tools to work with in this time. So I, I'm I'm feeling very blessed actually by by the divine
1: timing of it all. Oh, it just it's a great example of how things always seem to work out the way they're supposed to.
0: Right. Yeah, they do. They do. Sometimes we don't see it and we resist. And, you know, there's a chapter in the book about lessons. And um, it's, you know, it's so hard to look at the challenging times in our life as the potential opportunities and blessings that they can be. Um, it's really a mindset shift that we have to work on. And I've definitely worked on that for many years. And, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that if we can step back right in the middle of it, it's easy to see kind of when we're farther down the road, but the trick is being able to step back when we're in the middle of a challenge and go, okay, I know there is some blessing here for me. What is it?
1: Universe. (laughs) Absolutely. That it's, it is so hard. And, you know, let's jump right into your book because that's, I feel like your book speaks to people who are going through challenges. And and here's why. If if, if it's okay with you, I want to read a few lines yeah, from course. your book. Okay. So I want to start right away with your opening sentence, because I know our listeners are going to hear me reading this and they're going to say, yes, yes, that's exactly it. She totally gets me and where I am. So when you open the book, this is how this is how it reads. There is a moment when we know that we are ready for more a deeper understanding of life, a more profound experience of it. No one can make us ready, and no one can stop us once this desire awakens within us. And oof, I mean, talk about you had me from hello. What an outstanding (laughs) opening two lines. I mean, those were really, they got me right away. And then you go on just a little bit later and you say, it's an unmistakable call to action, and it often begins with a question. And right there, you and I were in sync because that was my exact experience when I started to kind of go through my own spiritual awakening. It started with a question, and I shared that with my listeners in my first episode, and I realized that my question may not be the question that sparks it for somebody else. So when I heard about your book, I I was so eager to get my hands on it because I think people find themselves at all kinds of different places at at any different point in time in their life where just the right question will prompt the deep introspection that can move you through a challenging time. There are 108 questions in here. You offer a lot of questions in this book. So my first question to you is how does someone know where to start with 108 questions and your book?
0: Oh, well, first I want to acknowledge, you know, what your experience of that opening line was, and it actually brought tears to my eyes to hear your response to that, because that line was written, um, again, talking about divine timing or divine uh, prompting, like, it was two o'clock in the morning, and I think I write that in the introduction, it was just 2am, and I was wide awake, because that line, that message was coming through so loud and clear. And so that's one of those examples of like no editing. It just came in the way it was meant to come in. It really felt, I felt an urgency to write this book. I felt an urgency to share what was in my heart and I wrote it just as that way. So when I hear someone else like resonate with that, it makes me so happy and it's such a validation of following our hearts. And I do think that is where we start, you know, where anyone starts with this book or anything in terms of their spiritual journey and awakening is that sense, that feeling inside. And it's very much of a feeling, right? Where And this is why so many people experience anxiety, because they're, they're out of alignment with that inner self. And there's something, some inner conflict that they have not resolved. And so it's about deep, listening to your heart and feeling what is calling you call your, that's your soul. It's your soul's call to something more, to something greater, to something different for, for your life, for your relationship, for your understanding of spirit, you know, what, wherever it is and everyone is on a different, like you said, they, a different question is going to get them in. They're at a different point in their path of evolution, but we all are here to evolve and so it's so much about just listening to your heart of hearts and the book is really fun and I'm getting I love hearing feedback from people of how they're using it and so my original intentions might have been one thing but then as it gets out into the world it has a life of its own as any as any baby does and um, and so it's really fun to hear how people are using it and to answer your question you know really where someone starts is by listening, to their own heart and then maybe opening the book either randomly to a question to see how, what it brings to them, because I've had many people share with me that they've opened it to just the right question that has just totally spoken to them. Or you could look at the table of contents, which has you know the questions in it and kind of scan through or look at the t- um, chapter titles and see which one resonates most. It's definitely not a book that you have to read cover to cover, And I think right now people's attention is so scattered. Um, People are so overwhelmed, right, with everything that's happening in the world. And they need, like, these bursts of inspiration and just something to ground them in the present moment, into their own feeling state. And so I think that it offers people that um, very accessible kind of point of reflection
1: that then they can go inward and see what their soul is, is calling for in this moment. I love the way that you kind of just emphasize, you know, start where you are, either just open the book up and just read a question. And I've, I've heard you say it before, or, I, or I've read it in your book, where you talk about being gentle with yourself as you go through this. And, and like you just said, everyone's so overwhelmed. People have so much on their plate. And I think a lot of times it's easy to push aside that soul calling because you just don't have time or the emotional or physical or mental energy to go there. And I love your book because it gives people permission and you give people permission to say, just sit with one question. And if that's all you do, even for a few months, that's enough. That's okay. Don't put so much pressure on yourself.
0: Totally. I mean, even like the greatest spiritual seekers out there who, who really ingest so much wisdom from so many different teachers or workshops or whatever, they can, um, it can start to feel a bit overwhelming. I was talking to someone yesterday who was like, I I always feel like I need to do more. And, I never feel like I do enough, and there's this constant sense of pressure. And I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm definitely a Type A, one of those people that's a workaholic and is gonna just do do do. And I've had to really learn how to be gentle with my own practice, my own process. And so that is something that I stress to people. This is you don't have to answer all 108 questions. Uh, honestly, there could be just one question in this book that would really move someone and make a big shift in their life. And so. Of course, any kind of personal growth work has to be undertaken with a lot of compassion for where we are in this moment. We can only be where we are. We No one grows through harshness. We, we grow through kindness and encouragement. And so we want to give that to ourselves. Um, but I did want to just say to uh, something else that you said about... Um, how you know when we're feeling overwhelmed, it can feel like the last thing that we have time for is kind of that whisper of the soul. And the soul doesn't yell, it's definitely a whisper that we have to take time to listen to. But I would say we don't have time not to listen to it. Um, these are cr- critical times of change for all of us, and if we're not paying attention to our spiritual. Essence and that soul wisdom that lives within each one of us—we are really going to be missing the boat right now. This, we're in under—we're in a massive consciousness shift right yes, now, yes. and everyone needs to be listening deeply to their highest wisdom
1: and acting from that place. Oh, without question. So beautifully said. I'm so glad that you said that. It's absolutely the time. And I think people are genuinely hungry and they want to do it. And I love your book because it's a tool to help them. I think we've become so disconnected in a way with resources that can help us navigate through that tricky experience of listening to your soul and really teasing out, you know, ego from the soul and fear from intuition and all sorts of things like that. And I think. You know, the way that you present this book, it makes it so tangible. It makes it a tangible thing that people can can get their arms around. And so let's let's quickly take the listeners through the 12 themes that you break these 108 questions into. So there are nine questions per theme, and I'll just read them out quickly. And I have a a question for you about the order. So they go in this order: it's changes, values, beliefs, willingness lessons, accountability, acceptance, inspiration, knowing, love, purpose, and mastery. And I'm just curious. I find the order fascinating for a few reasons, which I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. But I want to know first from you, is there a reason for the order? Yeah,
0: of course there is. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and I explain it a little bit actually in the conclusion of the book. Um, but the order is really what I have determined through so many, going through so many big transitions in my own life and leading so many clients through times of transition, there's kind of an order to how we move through change. So it's not enough to just know that something needs to change. We need to know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so that order of those themes, it really, for me, encapsulates how I would personally move through a process of change or take someone else through it. Um for instance, you know, we have to identify first what needs changing, and then we've got to identify the values on which we want to base the change, and then look at what limiting beliefs might be standing in our way, assess our willingness to do the work that mm-hmm. that change requires, and then so on and on through the 12, but it's, it is very logical. So if someone were to um, want to embark on, say, a year's worth of journaling on something, they could take this one month at a time and and be led very logically through a process of change.
1: The reason why I thought that the order was fascinating, because I'll tell you, when I first went through the book and I looked at the order, to me, I was like, well, most people, when they hear that soul whisper, they jump immediately to purpose. What is it? What is my unique purpose? What am I supposed to bring to this world? What is my soul telling me I should do? And I feel like that's the place where people always want to start. And if, and as our listeners just heard, that's number 11 on the list. So I thought that that was interesting. And then when I reflected back on my own process here, it did start with change. It was number one. That was the first thing that happened for me was that I was being called to a big change in my life that I was was a little scared to embark on. And I I, this is a story from my first episode. It actually ended up yielding the first song I ever wrote. I'm a musician. And so it it yielded this song that I wrote and it's about fundamental change and about embracing that change and letting it happen and not needing the plan. When I reflected on the order after I, you know, at first thought, well huh, purpose it seems like that's where people would want to jump in. I quickly realized, well wait, but in my reality, change really was number one.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting reflection. Thank you for sharing that. Um, And, you know, it's not to say that these things don't kind of spiral around on each other, because oftentimes change is not like a linear arrow into Mm -hmm. the future. Um, So we might have a glimmering around our purpose, but then there might be a lot of steps between the kind of macro version awareness of that and what we need to put into place in order to get from point A to point Z, which is the embodiment of that purpose. So that's why it comes a little bit later. I also think, you know, an awareness of our purpose does unfold in kind of a multi-layered way. We might, again, have that kind of big picture sense of what it is, but in terms of how it comes into manifestation, there's a lot of steps in that and we've got to be willing to take that journey. You know, we don't just have some big awareness of like, I want to, you know, I want to write a great novel or something. Well, that's great. That might be your purpose 100%. But if you're not going to take the steps from here to, (laughs) to even sketching out a, a, Book proposal, well, then you're never going to get the novel published. So that's why ideas are not enough, or the idea of our purpose is not enough.
1: So well said. So well said. And because I was focusing on that, and I thought, you know, I actually love that purpose is number 11 on the list because there is so much emphasis on that. I think people feel such a pressure to, you know, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what my purpose is. And they feel like that's where you have to start. And what I love about this order. Is it saying, no, you don't You don't have to start there to start the process of personal evolution and spiritual evolution and growth and reinvention. There are, like you said, so many steps and it is a cycle and things do cycle back on itself. So I think that that in and of itself is a great gift to people to see that order. It's very insightful.
0: I also think people think of purpose... Uh, again, on this kind of big picture level of I'm meant to write the next great American novel mm-hmm. or I'm going to change climate, you know, the climate change or, you know, whatever. And really purpose is a daily practice mm-hmm. stepping into our highest and best expression of ourself, our greatest love in our relationships, the most kindness that we can express to the strangers that we encounter on a daily basis. You know, all of that is part of purpose. If our purpose is to live a spiritually evolving life, then every moment of every day contributes to that. And it's not just some big accomplishment out in the world. It's really how we're operating all the time in our in our daily lives.
1: Oh, I thank you for saying that. I I harp on that a lot about how it's it doesn't have to be some major big grand over the top thing. I think people are so used to hearing that story, but that's not the reality of how it plays out on a day-to-day basis and I love your first question under the purpose category is what is my unique purpose at this moment in time and you specifically talk about that your gifts yield satisfaction through engagement not just the results and i love this quote or this line it's your quote i'm going to quote back to you it said it all matters whether what you offer is the first drop in a big bucket toward change or the last one that makes the bucket brim over into transformation your drop matters and i thought that was so beautiful i thought that metaphor was just so encouraging to people because you can see that every drop in the bucket matters. I just thought that was great.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. It, you know, people need that encouragement and it is such a universal need. I think whether people can acknowledge it or vocalize it or not, we all, we, there is an innate drive to feel purposeful and to have, feel meaning to our existence. Why are we here? I mean, it's kind of one of those big questions that has been asked throughout the ages. Mm -hmm. And so, everyone wants to feel that. And, you know, so many people have not been encouraged as children. Unfortunately, many people have wounds from their families of origin and we're not told that they matter or that they're important or that they have a purpose or that they, you know, it's meaningful that they're here. And so it it really is something that we have to claim for ourselves if we weren't given it by our parents or caregivers. And, um, it's, it's hard for people who haven't had that messaging early on in life. Um, but it is so important because what I'll say to anyone who's listening, who is struggling in that way is that, um, you know, your human parents are, are just that they're just human parents. And they did that the best that they could given their consciousness, which might not have been very good at all. No. <laughs> but you're a soul and you are here for a reason. And so it's up to you to claim that and step into that. And everyone can do that regardless of the human history that we've come into.
1: Absolutely. And that go, you know, you just led right into another line that I love from the first chapter, kind of going back to the changes chapter, another beautiful metaphor. You said, every soul carries a cosmic shoot waiting to be released when we have the courage to rip the cord of old thoughts, shift into a new perspective and embrace change. Wow. The idea of a cosmic shoot, just waiting to catch you when you're ready to take that jump. Is incredible.
0: That's been my experience. You know, so much of what I write really has come from the many years that I've been on the spiritual path, and just this path of self-analysis and therapy, and self-reflection, and yoga practice, and meditation, and all of it contributes to um, a deep trust that I hold in God, Spirit energy cosmic energy whatever you want to call it however you experience it you know there's so it's there is something so much greater than us that is holding us that has created us and that is there for us But it waits, you know, it waits for us to ask. It waits for us to fully surrender our egos. It waits for us to get quiet enough to hear its messaging. It waits for us to jump off that cliff and pull the chute. You know, there is a certain amount of faith that is required to any kind of change. We're moving into new territory, unknown experience, and we've got to go with trust and faith in a divine Presence that truly does hold us in love when we trust it completely, but it's as it's like it, the, we have to have the one hundred percent trust before it shows up, and that's a tricky thing for people, especially when they've had their human trust betrayed in different ways, and so they have difficulty with that concept of trust.
1: Oh, absolutely, and and even trusting yourself, trusting that inner voice inside of yourself. You know, we. My last episode, I talked about fear and how fear can show up in so many different forms and different ways. And, you know, one of the things that I teased out in in the episode was how I started to learn the difference between the voice of fear and the voice of intuition. And I think when people approach a book like this and, and you hit questions, right, and you're starting to think about how you're going to answer the questions, you might start to wonder, is that me answering it? Who am I to answer this question? You know, can I trust that that's the right answer? How do I know that's the right answer? Do you see fear come into play with your clients? I know you work with your clients with these questions. And so do you see fear come in? Oh, How how do you deal with that? What's it look like? How do you deal with it? How do you get past it?
0: So fear is absolutely a quality of the ego. So if we're in fear, Um, we're in egoic consciousness. The soul doesn't feel any fear. The soul is incredibly courageous, even when things are difficult. Um, You know, I've had moments where I've known I needed to make a certain choice, and it was going to be hard. And there was going to be a lot of work ahead or a lot of fallout or consequence from that choice. But I still felt peaceful. And I didn't feel afraid. It was more like, okay, there's a big mountain ahead. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Strap on the boots. Um, But it's different from fear. Fear is because the ego, believing itself to be separate from that cosmic energy, feels its limitations and its shortcomings. And so it feels fragile. It feels vulnerable. It's not sure that its needs will get met. And so it, it experiences the state of fear. So there's a bit of education, not just education, but I mean, I can talk about it, but really have to get people to go to the inner sanctum of experience where they can feel the difference between being in egoic consciousness and being in soul consciousness or intuitive wisdom, you know, which is the voice of the soul. So it takes time and it takes a willingness to be really quiet with yourself and to, as you said, kind of suss out what is the fearful voice of the ego, feeling its separateness. And what is that voice of the spirit, which is always connected, always at home in the universe, and very, very strong.
1: Yeah. And and I think you you really hit a fine point when you said, you have to get really quiet. That's what I found on my experience. You have to get so quiet. And that's so hard. It's so hard to to block out so much of the chatter and especially your mind noise to let that voice that little whisper of the soul come out and you get the ego to take a back seat. I think, you know, there are practices that help, you know, meditation definitely helps. Um, yoga is a great tool for that as well.
0: I yeah, absolutely. I think also being in nature as much as possible is so important. We're we're in our modern culture we're really losing connection to Um, the natural world. And the natural world is such a grounding force for us. And there is Deep stillness. I mean, to walk in the forest, or to stand by the ocean shore, or to a lake, or even if you're just have a if you're in the city, just standing in a city park near a tree, you will feel a sense of groundedness that's different from when you're sitting in front of the television and watching the nightly news mm-hmm. and just ingesting a whole bunch of voices that aren't your own and certainly aren't spirit. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it takes the willingness to carve out that time. And, you know, as people, although meditation has become very universally spoken about and accepted on a daily basis, Becky, I talk to people who are like, I can't meditate. My mind is too busy. I'm like, yeah, I know. Every single one of us has the busy mind because <laughs> we're plugged into the outer world and we're just. Filled with chatter and information and reactivity to all the social media and everything else. So it's a choice. Are you going to shut that down for a little while? Just shut it down for a little while every day. I mean, it's really just that simple. And over time, if you do it every day, even if it's five or 10 minutes every day, you're going to build a different muscle. And that's the muscle of that inward listening. And then all kinds of richness comes to you. So yeah, it's challenging at first, but the
1: payoff is huge. Absolutely. And, and your, your, your point about nature is also huge. And for me, that's how I started to quiet everything down. It was, I was just going on a walk. I would take my dog for a walk and I just started realizing this is really nice. It's really quiet and I can hear the birds. And all of a sudden I would go for longer walks and have more time, just quiet to myself. And all of a sudden I'd have things got calmer and, I started ruminating over the question that was sparking the change for me, right? And that's where the answer came to me. It was through a series of those long walks. Then I started meditating and other things. It is all of that connection. It's just connecting back to a a calmer, more plugged in feeling of knowing. And you're right. That can really only be felt. You really have to practice that. It can really only be felt.
0: Yeah, and it's plugging back into yourself, mm-hmm. right? We talk about unplugging from the external media, but it's about plugging back into that inner world.
1: Yeah, and that's how people will know that they're there because it is is—it is a feeling of coming home. It really is. It's a very familiar, warm, comfortable feeling. So that's a good way to know if you're starting to tap into it, I think. Um, Absolutely. So these questions that you ask, they are so helpful to people to, to start down this process. And so I'm curious, where did they come from? You know, where did all of these, there, it's 108 questions. So maybe there are two things you can tell us, you know, number one, why 108? Is there, is there a reason? I actually know there's a reason, but I want you to tell us all why it is. And then where did they come from?
0: Yeah, so um, I don't answer the 108 question because I do talk about that in the introduction and I want to leave some surprises for people when they read the book.
1: <laughs>
0: but there is, a, there is a significance to that. It's it's a very sacred number. Um, and where do they come from? I mean, they have come from so many different places. I, I'm a I love questions. I absorb them in from every direction that I can find. I'm always on the hunt for good new ones. Uh, so many of these have come from working with clients and finding a point at which you know we're not moving forward and then I'm looking at, well how can I ask them rather I don't want to tell people where they need to go. I want to ask them something That will engage their own inner creativity. So, I'm always looking for the ways of phrasing something a little bit different to get them to think outside the boxes that they've kind of trapped themselves in. So, a lot of it has, a lot of the questions have come from my client work over the last 20 years. Um, That being said, another thing I mentioned in the book, which is very important for people to remember, is that the way I might phrase something. Might not be exactly right for you. You might hit a question that's like, "Huh, I'm not totally sure what that is." But so then I would recommend try rewriting it, try saying it in a different way. Um, There's actually a few questions in the book that sort of layer upon one another. They they seem similar, but there's actually a subtle difference. So when you encounter those, don't think, "Oh, I've been here before." Think, "Ah, what's?" how can I go deeper with this? So there's a lot of that to it too. It's, it's a bit of a puzzle, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's an interesting one to work with. I also recommend that people continually ask themselves, what is the question I most need to answer right now? That's one of my favorite questions to ask whenever I go into meditation, because knowing what question I need to be sitting with it takes me a lot closer to my truth. And oftentimes, we're not asking the right question. That's right. Just like we're not thinking along the right track of something. So that's why having a coach can be helpful. Sometimes having a book like this in front of you to kind of give you different prompts can get you outside of the ways in which you've kind of gotten stuck in your own thinking patterns.
1: Interesting. So, was there a question for you that sparked your desire to write this and and your other books? Was there something in your personal story or your personal journey that was particularly illuminating that you could kind of relate back to the book a little bit?
0: Well, there's been different. Uh, I think different reasonings behind the different the behind the three books that I've written. Um, I find that right now the world is quite externally focused. There's a tremendous amount of blame happening, uh, a lot lack of accountability happening in the greater world. People are pointing a lot of fingers and saying that the problem is over there. Yeah. The pro- air quotes all around the problem. Yeah. You know, whatever the problem of the moment is, it's always, it's over there. It's that one, it's them and the other. And I I feel strongly that we all need to take accountability for our own experience, and this sense of introspection, this practice of introspection. Um, I became aware of the in, immense importance of it through my studies of yoga philosophy, which are the which form the basis of my previous two books, True Yoga and Breathing Love, and introspection within. Yoga philosophy is the term it's encompassed in the term swadhyaya, which is one of the eight limb practices within the eight limb path of yoga. So without getting into a whole study of yoga or a whole history of yoga philosophy, it's uh, what people don't necessarily know if they've only experienced physical yoga is that there is a huge amount of yoga philosophy in this ancient science of how to live in a way that creates harmony within our own beings. And so this practice of introspection and within introspection is this sense of accountability for our experience, for our thoughts, for our actions for our speech for all of it. And that's something I just see is missing in the world right now on a big level. And so I, I feel strongly about helping people to move towards that in their personal lives.
1: Yes, I agree. I I, it's so it's so needed. And it's interesting because that it reminds me I know that you love quotes, because you use really you provide some really great quotes in the book, which I'll leave for everyone to discover when they read it. But it did remind me of a quote from Sue Monk Kidd, and I'm curious if you've heard this quote, but it relates to what you were just saying about taking accountability, for people taking accountability. And she talks about questions in one of her books, and she says, living with questions can be a miserable experience. We like things fixed, figured out, and nailed down, even if that means being nailed to a false and static existence. Questions terrify us because they're like hammers prying up nails. And I do think that that's, like, for humans, it's true. When you start to ask questions about yourself, some fundamental questions like you, like that you present, like, what do I value? What do I believe? And the way you break that down, they sound so easy until you get really intent on answering them honestly. And then all of a sudden, they feel like hammers that, that are just flying well. nails <laughs> up everywhere. And you have to deal with that, right? And um, I, I just...
0: I have a different experience of questions. Uh-huh. I actually would not agree with
1: that. Oh, question, good, good. With, I want to well. hear your uh, <laughs> your take on it.
0: Um, you know, if we're and this is the I, there's a chapter on willingness in Spark Change, and this is kind of pointing at what I'm going after in the questions on willingness. It's like. Yeah. If you want the easy, you want to push the easy button and just have things done for you, then, then questions might feel like hammers. Like, I don't want to deal with that. Like, I don't want to think about that, but look at where that's gotten us. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that um, people are very happy who take that road. And so to me, questions are like this, these beautiful invitations to greater joy. And That's how I look at them, any all of them, any question. It's like, oh, yes, let me go in there. Because there's certainly more amazing awareness for me to discover. And it's like the curiosity of children. And there's also a bit of in the book about curiosity and wonder and how important these qualities are. And so if we lose that, we have really lost our joy for life. Curiosity about ourselves, about our world, about one another is essential to maintaining the spark of joy within us and maintaining a healthy process of aging. My master spiritual teacher, Paramahansa Yogananda, says, maintaining wonder, I'm paraphrasing him, but maintaining wonder is the key to aging well. And I fully believe that. So. Because you look at the the absolute delight in children who are curious about the simplest things. And we lose that as we age, unless we try to practice it. But if we practice it, then everything is fresh and new every day, our inner experiences as well. And we experience such joy. So I, I'm going to have to decline to agree with Simone Kidd on that one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's funny that you because when I wrote that quote down, it's, I I put it next to your quote about people, you know, people wanting simple and easy answers, they want the easy button, and there's no easy button to this, right. So I actually took those two quotes, like and paired them up together saying, yeah, there is no easy button for this. It's, it's hard and questions may, may surface things that might feel uncomfortable, but the reality is when you, when you get curious, just like you said, when you get curious about it, when you take that approach, it, it leads you to a really joyful and happy place. And so I think that it's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Here's the thing too. You know, we, it is natural for all of us to want to avoid pain and suffering. That is a universal mm. human tendency. But we don't just get the joy. The joy comes with the pain. This is a world of duality. We get both. And if you want to have the highest levels of joy, you've got to be willing to go to the depths of the pain. And I say that from absolute 100% experience, I have been crippled with despair on my knees in tears for months in total surrender of all capacity to move forward in my life. I know what it feels like to be in complete despair, but i was willing to go there. I had to feel that I wouldn't be in the joyful place that I am today if I hadn't gone there. And so when I sit with a client who's facing into grief in their own life experience, I say, come on, let's go, let's go into the depth of that pit together And I will sit there with you as long as you need to sit there. And then we'll climb back out together because there is a way out. You're not going to be in there forever. It feels like you might when you're facing, you're looking over that dark pit of grief and despair. And you think if I go in there, I'm never getting out. You will. You're going to get out and you're going to get out into greater
1: joy. Right. Yeah. It almost carves out more space for more joy to come in. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so true. Oh, well, I know that you, you know, we've got this great book out, Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution, that I hope everyone runs out to get, because it's just such a practical tool that people can use, like we talked about, at their leisure, right? And at their comfort level. And there's a way for everyone to approach and enter these 108 questions. So I encourage everyone to please go get the book. But On your website, even, you have so many great resources. You've been so generous here today already with your time. But on your website, I know that you have a download with the Spark Change. There's a book excerpt there that people can get along with a guided meditation. And I'll put that link in the show notes so they can get it. But you also have another great opportunity for people to work with you um, that's coming up this week, correct?
0: Uh, Friday, so October 16th. And that is a group coaching experience. It'll be the first time that I'm offering this. I'm very excited about it. It's called the spirit sessions and it's going to be a deep dive into our spiritual evolution right now. And, Doing that in a group setting, I think, is going to be very interesting and fun, and we're going to be looking at some of the questions in Spark Change, but also going beyond what the book offers, because I don't want to limit it to just to those. Uh, I want to bring new material to the folks who are going to join me on that call. It'll be uh, four weeks of weekly calls. So, yeah, there's information on my website about that if you're interested in joining.
1: That's terrific. And I'll make sure that that link is also clearly in the show notes for people to get to because I would imagine that once people have heard this conversation, they're going to want more of you and they're going to want more of your guidance and wisdom. And certainly if they crack open this book, they're going to feel the same way. Oh, so thank you, Becky. Uh, I hope that people will, will go check that out. Where else can they find you if they want to come and hang out with you on social media? Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm most active on Instagram. Um, Jenny Lee underscore author um, is my Instagram handle. I'm also on Facebook. I try to answer messages daily. I'm pretty engaged with people personally on, on those social media platforms. So Facebook or Instagram is where you'll find me primarily on social media. I'm I'm also on Twitter and LinkedIn and all that, but um, those are my two platforms that I engage with most regularly. And one thing also I want to say about the book and how to use it, um, because this is, I think, applicable in this time where we're at home with family and also moving towards the holidays, it's like we need to have deeper conversations with one another. And as much as this book is about introspection, I think I've been getting uh, feedback from people that they have been offering questions to their spouse or to their kids and to other helpers or who have been in the home and um that people are having some deeper conversations and i think it's about time and i think that's a beautiful thing so i would encourage people to also share it with their loved ones and you know have those deeper conversations
1: oh that's a really wonderful suggestion i think especially you know especially today where there are so many controversial or just hard conversations that people have to have, you know, we have to have a lot of hard conversations right now and finding an entry point to do that can be difficult. And sometimes all it takes is, a, the, like you said, the right question at the right time to bring to someone, to open a conversation, to help you get to know them better on a different level and find a connection there that will really bring more love into that relationship, into that situation. So I think that's, that's such a beautiful suggestion. Thank you for bringing that up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about the freebies on the website. So there's this guided meditation to help people kind of sink into the space of introspection. So that's a nice mm. bridge for folks who might not have a regular meditation practice, they can listen to that. It's just about a four minute meditation that I offer. Um, and there's also a couple of free guides if you're somebody who might want to do a book club to work with some of these questions with some friends or um, a yoga teacher who's wanting to offer some reflections into your classes. There are some free guides
1: for those uh, populations as well on the website. Oh, that's incredible. That is so incredible. You are such a giving person. I mean, really, you you share so much of yourself in the book. You share so much of yourself so willingly, you know, to come on the show and to give us all of this information and to help us, think through what spiritual evolution looks like and the role that questions play and all of the things you have on your website. I thank you so much for sharing your gifts out into the world and unleashing your soul song in such a powerful and beautiful way. Thank you for being with us today, Jenny. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Becky. It's been a delight talking with you. I would love to hear what you thought of today's show. Did you get something valuable from it? If so, don't keep it a secret. Tell your friends and family. I want everyone to unleash their soul song because the world needs all our beautiful music. I'd also really appreciate if you subscribe to the show on iTunes, rate and review. You may not realize it, but that's the best way to help other people find the show. I hope you'll come visit with me at theintuneexperience.com. While you're there, download your free copy of Intune Insights, designed to inspire you to unleash your soul song. I'd also love to hear from you on Instagram, at Unleash Your Soul Song. Shoot me a message, let me know what you think about the show. Tell me what you want to hear about and what you're struggling with so that I can craft shows that provide you with insights, inspiration, and the tools you need to venture on your own personal journey. Listen, this world is busy. Our days are really full and life is super distracting. We're pulled in so many different directions every day. And so I thank you for joining me here today. Have a great week. You
0: and me. You and
1: me. He, and and me. And she. he and she. Next door neighbor, stranger down the street. Grab the cloud, Grab the clouds. Cause we haven't even touched our hearts. our highest ground No, we haven't even touched our highest ground Unleash Your Soul Song is recorded and edited in 426 Studios, the music production company that I co-own. For more information about our music and our services, please visit www.four, 26studios.com That's www426 studios studioscom dot com.